0: couple of housekeeping things. It's only two verses. It's the end of the sermon. We got all of it. So hopefully we'll finish well and we'll move on the next couple weeks. And then believe it or not, Thanksgiving and Advent in 2017. That's crazy, right? Quickly, uh, join us for dinner on Wednesday. We'll have our uh, potluck dinner. We said good protein last time, but then we ended up watching a Giants game. That was a short-lived playoff. Anyways, all that to say, Come, uh, there'll be steaks and chicken. Steak and chicken on Wednesday. Bring a side dish. We'll spend some time together praying. Kayla and other junior hire and a couple other people will have our youth group tomorrow or Tuesday. It's fun, right? Yeah, she's like, yeah, Dad, it's fun. Okay, anyways, that's all I got. And one last housekeeping announcement. Um, four weeks from yesterday, so in 27 days, be here. We're going to decorate our church for Christmas. It's going to be awesome. And uh, asking people to make some homemade soup, more of a festive hearty thing, 10 o'clock a.m., we'll pray for no rain that day because we need to be outside for a bit. We'll transform the sanctuary and the whole campus, it'll be awesome. We should be done around 12 or 1, come for all, come for part of the time. You'll hear more about that. Do not be shocked if you show up to church in the next few Sundays and there's a big snowman in the courtyard with a sign, come help set me up on the 26th, that's one of the ways we're going to let people know. So that'll be great. Before I dive in, uh, I got to work with a gentleman named Andrew for four or five years, six or seven, eight years ago. And uh, if you don't know, Andrew had a pretty bad accident yesterday. He lives in Thousand Oaks, California. He's a pastor and a principal of a Christian school, two small children and married, and he hurt his arm really badly, and he had a fall. He's okay now, but he had a long surgery, and they're not sure if he's going to keep his arm. That's how badly it was hurt. So uh, over the next five days... Uh, They'll know more, but I ask you to pray for Andrew Garcia and his family. We'll let you know more. They are a first Baptist church in Thousand Oaks as well, so if we can help a brother and a church, uh, we'll see what we can do. I'm not really sure yet on details, so just pray for Andrew and pray for his recovery and um, pray that God does another miracle. So um, it's an intense situation down there. Let me pray for all those things, and we'll jump in. Matthew 7, 28 and 29. Father, we do lift up Andrew and Natalie and the children and that church body. Pray for healing. We thank you for the miracle of medicine. We thank you for a long, um, as far as we know, successful surgery yesterday. Continue, as with BJ's brother, sustain Andrew's spirit. This could be a very depressing time. Restore him and heal him and encourage him and let us reach out in any way we can. Guide us in that as well. In Jesus' name, amen. So lots of people in and around the hospital and hurt. God is still on the throne. Don't be dismayed. Um, We're going to finish up this Sermon on the Mount. I have the bulletin because we started this a little under six months ago. And the title would be Simply Jesus. And I hope if you've heard regularly or been here regularly, you heard about Jesus Christ. That was the goal. Not about Dave or about First Baptist or about anybody else, but about Jesus. That's the goal because he gave this sermon This was the, as I said many times before, this was our Savior's stump speech. He went from town to town teaching about the kingdom of God, and he taught this well, and it was radical, and Matthew 7, 28 will be up here again, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were literally awestruck. Remember when you were awestruck for the first time? I was awestruck for the first time I can remember as a nine-year-old flying to L.A., the first time I ever flew, and I'm like, that's land, and that's ocean, and we're above it all. Right by the window with my stepbrother. Flew by ourselves. My parents were brave, I guess. My aunt met us at the airport. was all downhill from there. Um, but I fly all the time now, and I fall asleep. I think of it a lot the first time going to Hawaii if you've been there oh, this place really, heaven does exist, right? Or anywhere tropical, or the mountains. I don't want to make any Californians mad, but we don't really have mountains in California. We have high hills. The first time you see peaks that look like they're cut from jagged rock, you're like, that's 17,000 feet. Maybe the first time you drive into Yosemite in the winter, you're awestruck. Your mouth literally has to be put up that's what this word meant. So Matthew 7:28, when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were in wonder. Now, in America and in, in my upbringing, I go to 29 for he was teaching them as one who had authority and I dwell there. We love and we have a love and hate relationship with authority in America, right? Let's be honest. Especially some of us men, men be honest in church. Most of the time we have a love and hate relationship with authority. We like to dish it out and say, I have authority. But most of the time then we don't like to, what? Be tamed by it. That's not what Matthew was writing about. Matthew was not writing about an authority that was a crushing, impressive authority. Matthew was saying the crowds were in awe because God had just spoken. It wasn't a authority that Jesus tricked his way into getting. Let me tell you some cute stories. These hearers knew and were awestruck because heaven had just spoke to them. That's why we got to see this, or we're going to miss it. And we're going to make doctrines and sayings that are just not there. Did Jesus, we'll see in a few minutes, from him, he had all authority in heaven in his name, but he didn't come with an iron gavel. He came as the light of the world, illuminating things, putting light where there was darkness. And people were like, yeah, as a Christian, if you're a Christian, it's hard sometimes to talk to non-Christians because at the end of the day, we cannot prove anyone into the kingdom. It doesn't work that way. It's a spiritual reality. But your answer is, I just know it's true. And often educated people scoff. I know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what Matthew is saying. God had spoken and people saw it. They were astonished. What does it say? He didn't teach like the pastors of the day. Duh. He didn't teach like the teachers of the day. Everyone do it with me. Duh. He didn't teach like the Pharisees of the day. Duh, because God had spoken. Different. We read the sermon. Was he tricking anybody? No, he was just fulfilling the law. Don't be angry. Has anger ever produced anything good? Jesus would ask. And they go, yeah, not really. He would actually say, with your anger and with the way you're practicing the law and doing spiritual things, how is that working out for you and your family? And that was where the conversation was a monologue because people weren't taught. Because he was speaking the truth. Yes, in love but the truth. So I want us to see authority. Go to the next verse, guys and gals. Don't see it as Western American civil authority. Jesus didn't come with heaven's badge in a car with a sidearm policing the streets. That's not the authority Matthew was talking about. Jesus came as a pardon from heaven, speaking the truth, lighting the dark path. That's the authority he had. And that's what Matthew's getting at. So see it that way. That's how they took in this sermon. Hopefully we've taken some of what they took in. This is the authority that was speaking. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God had just spoken, and the people were like, wow, it's really porn, huh? I'm in awe. Praise God for that. But the people were like, I've never heard anything like that before. Isaiah didn't speak like that. David didn't speak like that. We know Saul didn't speak like that. We know Hezekiah didn't speak like that. Joshua didn't speak like that. Amos didn't speak like that. The Italian prophet Malachi, or Malachi, he didn't speak like that, right? Jesus spoke heaven spoke and we should be glad the word of God has taught plain and simple and they are in astonishment I started this sermon series out with a s- kind of a similar thought through a sermon so pardon me if you're like I heard this again about 26 weeks ago I'm just trying to piece it all together perfect authority is not a system Perfect authority is not a religion. Perfect authority is not theology. It's Jesus Christ. we got to hear that. Perfect authority is the man, Jesus Christ. And he's taught us, church. And he continues to teach us. His word is alive. From Old Testament to New, it's him. I want us to finish this sermon with seeing him. That's why I made note of our little program. Maybe cut it out and put it on your mirror. This is what God desires for our church. To pursue this. Simply Jesus. We can have different opinions about carpet color and food and even politics. But on this, we are good. We're after him. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. Jesus has ushered in the kingdom the long-foretold prophecy. And God is pleased. And he's taught us how to obey, how to worship, how to love. How to endure. Oh, isn't it enduring fun for about a minute? And then it's like, wow. Can you guys go to Hebrews 1 back there? I want us to see it again. This is the authority that was preaching on that mountain that day. Hebrews 1.1 one. 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the who? Prophets. Did they speak like Jesus? No. They spoke with some authority, but not with the authority that we've seen in this sermon, and not to diminish them, but we must see them again through who? Jesus. We only see the prophets right when we look through them through Jesus. That's with any scripture. But look what the author says in verse 2. Hebrews 1, 2. But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son whom He had appointed heir of all things through whom also He created the world. So again, we are going to go authority, power, sovereignty. Yes, but when Jesus came He didn't preach that way or live that way. He lived as light Entering a dark world. It's, he didn't come as a gavel. He didn't come as a baseball bat. He didn't come as a warrior king on a war horse. Remember how he entered his final week? On a donkey to be laughed at with bloody feet from hanging off it. That's how light enters the equation. Besides, it's a little cloudy today. Is our world a dark place? Yeah, it's dark at times. It's beautiful sometimes, but there's a lot of things that are wrong. And Jesus entered, and he ushered in this new kingdom as light, morning light. I was in Castle Rock Park when I was 18, 19 years old. It's right up here, about an hour. It's beautiful. It was December. I went with a gentleman named John Becker. He's a missionary. He hangs out in Redwood City. Some of you know him. Back then, he was a nut job. (laughs) He's missionary now, so he's much better. But he's like, oh, just bring a flannel and you'll be good. And I'm like, 17, 18. I'm like, okay. My mom and dad are like, no, go with John. He's resourceful. We show up, and John has his winter everything, like he's climbing Mount Everest. And I have a flannel and a Kmart uh, sleeping bag in December. At night, it got to like 21 degrees. That was the l- longest, coldest night of my life. When you, it doesn't matter when you put on layers at that point. If you don't have a fire and you don't have the right equipment, you are finished. John even busted out the emergency, the space blanket, and put it over me. That's how bad it got, and he was laughing most of the time. You're going to be fine. I'm like... But what I'm getting at, that was our world before the Christ man came into the world. A long, cold, brutal night and the sun has come. Light has entered. That's the authority he speaks with. Light. Radiance. Truth. Reality. In the Greek, in the word repentance, metamorphosis we get from this word, it means to see reality. Reality. If you were to buy a house in Daly City on most nights, I love Daly City, I used to work up there on the ambulance, and then you came back during the day, (laughs) most days you would rethink your purchase maybe. Because you wouldn't see the mist and the fog most likely that covers the whole area. In essence, you were only seeing half of what was real. That's how the saints were back in the Old Testament and that's how some of us are still if we don't see the kingdom illuminated by the one who spoke with authority, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.3, next verse, good one. We saw this six, eight months ago. This is very powerful, and this is authoritative. But what the author is telling us is what? He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of who God is has just spoken. That's the authority that spoke on the Mount of Beatitudes, God Himself. Truly God. Some people say, well, the God of the Old Testament didn't speak on the mountain. Hebrews says differently. Hebrews in 13.8 actually says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. What I would say to that, well, God fully revealed Himself in the teachings of Jesus and the living of Jesus. That's who God has always been. Authority, yes. But not the way we think. Not like this. Who's going to mess up? Libby, don't mess up. I have my authority. Libby, sister, my authority is light. See the world the way I create it, the way I intend it. See my kingdom walk in obedience. Come unto faith and believe and repent and follow my son because he's alive and active. He's taught us, and the teachings are the same. The authority is the same. The light is the same. Deal with your lust, not just sexually, but deal with your wanting to objectify people. How? In the cross. Come before the cross and be humbled. How could anyone truly want to objectify anyone when they see the price that was paid and the love that was displayed for them? Holy Spirit transformed my heart, and we walk in obedience. And hear me, it's not a quick fix. It's a life fix. Long journey. And some of the older sons go, amen, pastor. But he works. Jesus is a much better authority than me in my home. I'm not much of one. I'm a screw-up most of the time. Jesus is a much better authority than any politician or judge or lawyer, Sorry, Russ, or police officer you know, because he's light and he's God. That's the authority he spoke with. This is the second part of the verse. This is a powerful summary of what happened on Calvary. Jesus in his goodness, the God-man, went to Calvary and once and for all conquered the spirits of darkness and the power of the enemy, Satan, evil, by dying for you and for me. That's how the God-man, Jesus, won. And we are now recipients by faith if we believe in that goodness. And that's the gospel. The gospel, if we just leave it at Calvary, we miss a little bit. If we just leave it in this man and life of Jesus, we miss it a little bit. But we have to come to agreement and understand what the Bible teaches. The gospel started long ago when God created the world... And then we all know what happened. And the gospel continued as the law and the prophets came and said, why don't you just do what you were told in the beginning? Worship God rightly and treat each other what? Well, justly. And they really got off track. And Jesus came and said, there's the ultimate fulfillment is the kingdom is here. And Jesus went to the cross and died a horrendous death. It doesn't stop there. But three days later, he was vindicated by God and rose, breaking the powers of Satan, sin, and death, and walking for 40 days, reminding his people what? The kingdom is at hand. The light has won. Darkness no longer reigns. Paul would later write, Death, O oh death, where is your what? Sting. Death has been swallowed up in victory. That wouldn't happen if Jesus stayed in the grave. But he rose and now by faith, we can be a part of this family. Those are some of the forensic details. But Jesus is the best authority we could ever want to meet. I've learned a ton in this sermon. I hope you have too. The Sermon on the Mount, per se. I've learned a lot about what, I, of what my heart wants to believe about the God's kingdom. You know what I mean by that? We hear about God's kingdom, we hear about Jesus Christ, and sometimes, I'll speak for myself, I won't speak for you, that's dangerous, I then like to put a little bit of, this is the ESV translation, ESV DJ translation. You know what I mean by that? Dave Johnson, right there. I read it, I know it, but let me just add a little bit to it. But what the Sermon on the Mount has done for me is, I believe in grace, began to erase the DJ after the written word began to reshape my heart in dealing with people who disagree with me, who might even speak poorly of me or my faith or my profession. It's began to erase the DJ and relating to my family and children and family here. And hopefully it's reoriented me into the teaching we heard last week. Dave, build your life, build your house, build your family on the wise words of Jesus. Remember the analogy? Don't get caught out in the storm. Because if you just hear these words, and if you just hear about the kingdom, and if you only hear about the teachings of Jesus, Dave, you will be like one who built his house on the sand, and when the rains come, there will be no shelter. And I love the way Jesus finishes with those three analogies, right? Remember them. Two roads, one hard, one easy. Couple different trees. One produced righteousness and justice and one produced stinky bad fruit. And then two houses. And Jesus spoke with authority. God spoke to your heart in this sermon series. He told you about his kingdom and me. He told us what he requires from us he does require a few things from you uh oh not your pocketbook everyone breathe deep oh. some churches you go in you got to pony up before you sit down right don't go there that's all no don't go there he requires what he's always required from his people who are pursuing him by faith micah would say it this way love justice walk humbly and seek to do good. Micah 6, eight. That's stage translation. It's not a bad one. It's not D.J. He requires of us to be made right with his father. Receiving by faith that we've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And we're now righteous in God's sight. That's the forensic part of the gospel. But in that reality, then he says what? Go be an agent of justice everywhere you walk. And not some weird, like, only save the whales. Or I'm not talking about any of that. And that's a good thing. Save the whales. There's injustice in that, too. Everywhere you walk, everywhere you go, be an agent of light. The light that's shone on your heart. The light that you've seen in Christ. Go take that and intercede in any way you can. And this is the hard part. Sometimes it's just praying a silent prayer for a bad situation. And not getting involved. That's hard for us West Coasters, right? Our, our American people. Let me get involved. Let me uh, put it on Twitter so people can look at me. Let me get a picture so I can really catch someone in a bad situation. Lord, this is a massive situation. I pray for all parties involved. Bestow grace right now. Lord, if you want me to act, protect me and let me be an agent of grace. There was a fight, a pretty big fight at Burrell Middle School a couple weeks ago. Some of our junior hires were talking about it. And they had some, they were sad. That's the first thing we want to hear. We don't want to hear like, we're going to put it on YouTube. Like, whoa. Let's grieve that this is not good. That someone got hurt bad, their knee. And let's try and be junior hires who are walking with Jesus, not saving the world, but day by day walking by faith and going, I'm going to try in my own little 12, 13 awkward way be peaceful and bring peace. You guys can do that at work. Lord knows we need it in our homes, amen? Our homes. We need it in our church continually. I'm so proud of you. You know it's been a year? This crazy group said, oh, we'll try it. (laughs) We're in. For those of you that don't know, maybe we merged churches about a year ago, and there's been some ups and downs, and we're learning, but peace is the dominant, Christ's peace is the dominating Reality. Praise God. We'll celebrate more of that next Sunday. Please be here. We'll probably celebrate some of that on the 26th as we uh, deck the halls in this place. Peace be here. Peace be, please be here. And as we go into the holiday season, uh, we'll celebrate and worship another Advent season that we've been given. We don't have a closing song. That's okay. You don't need to stand. I'll just pray. Um, If you can run through the raindrops, some of you young guys can. We'll have fellowship across the way. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you either Wednesday, Tuesday if you're a junior higher, or next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just a couple of verses wrapping up an amazing sermon. Thank you for sending not only written words, but a man who lived and taught and died and rose again in fulfilling all that has been written. Father, help your church in these next 10 days. Help us Americans in these next 10 days to be, even if differing in opinions, agents of reconciliation and peace. Help us to be people who would be beacons of light as we are connected by faith through the light source, your Son. And Father, we do again pray for all those who are sick, all those who are uh, being taken care of medically. We pray for grace and mercy and healing quickly. I thank you for this family. I thank you for these folks. I thank you for their heart and their wanting to serve you. And as we enter into ne- another year and a few weeks, give us the grace to do so full speed and full faith, uh, longing to serve you as we serve our community. In Jesus' name, amen.